Welcome to Sideline Sleuths, a true crime podcast all about the tragic yet fascinating cases no one can seem to get enough of. I'm Megan. And I'm Jasmine. We're so glad you're listening. If you like being an armchair detective, you'll love being a sideline sleuth. In 1981, October became recognized as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month in an effort to connect advocates for battered women across the United States. Every episode this month, both solved and unsolved, will focus on a crime or crimes related to domestic violence. As you know, this is an issue that is very personal for me, and I think it's important that we talk about what these individuals experienced and bring attention to this difficult topic. Two weeks ago, we released our first episode about this, and it got really raw, I guess would be the word. I shared some details with you all about my experiences as a victim of domestic violence, and there was some crying. At the time that we recorded the following episode, you guys hadn't yet heard that one, but now you have, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your support, your kind words, and your encouragement. I was a little nervous about that episode, but I'm glad it's out there now. Today, we're going to talk about the death of two women, Diana Keel in March of 2019, so that's really recent, and also the death of Elizabeth Keel on New Year's Day in 2006. Though both women have the same last name, they never knew each other. Their connection is that they were both married to a man named Rexford Lynn Keel at the time of their deaths. Do you already, like, see where this is going? Uh, well, I don't know. You do. So here's what we know about Diana. She was 38 years old at the time of her death, and she and her husband, who goes by the name Lynn, lived together in their Nashville, North Carolina home with their 10-year-old son. On March 9th, 2019, Diana's daughter Laura, a college freshman, reported her mother missing after no one could reach her. She tweeted, Quote, you guys, my mom is missing. If you see or hear anything, please let me know and help me get the word out. Thank you. Which is so sad. I, I can't imagine being 18 or 10 like her brother yeah. and losing a parent. Yeah. And Laura was not Lynn's daughter also. It was just, just Diana's, Diana's daughter, daughter, yeah. But they did share the son together. Okay. Wow, you just went, she's up and missing. Diana sent a text message to her own mother living in Columbia on March 7th, and that's really the last time that anyone heard from her. The message simply said, quote, Mom, I love you very much, end quote. And though it didn't say anything alarming, it was out of the blue and made her mother feel uneasy. Yeah. If I just randomly texted my mom that, she would immediately call me and be like, who abducted you? <laughs> like, because she would mm. not think that message came from me like that. Mm. I've seen conflicting reports about which day her daughter reported her missing, but the majority of the sources say March 9th, so that's the date that we're going to use for this episode. Diana, who was a nurse in the emergency room at a nearby hospital, hadn't been to work in days, but she didn't notify the hospital that she wouldn't be coming in. Yeah. So, like, if you're like a no-call, no-show at a really professional job, yeah, that sets up a red flag. Her car was still parked at her house, but her husband Lynn, who you know wasn't the first one to report her missing, oh. didn't really, didn't. I guess he wasn't like worried. Oh. So, 
Her daughter reports her missing. Does her daughter live with her? No, she was away at college. She was a college freshman. Wow. So yeah. her daughter caught it before her husband caught yeah. it? Yeah. So he has an explanation. All right. Air I'm quotes. listening. So, However, I'm skeptical. Yeah. So her daughter reports her missing, and then following that initial call, police come around to talk to the husband, naturally. And he's like, yeah, I saw her on Friday, March 8th. Um, she just left the house with some friends. And she does this from time to time. She just occasionally, like this is not a direct quote, y'all. This is me summarizing. She just occasionally like takes off for a few days at a time. And I didn't report her missing. And I'm not particularly worried because I expect her to return. Uh, but her daughter knows her too, right? And her daughter, that was a red flag for her daughter. Yeah. So, um, meh. Yeah. I think the official missing like person report, like whatever you like, fill out was done on Saturday, March 9th by Lynn Keel, but not until after this like welfare check was done. Yeah. My eye is very squinty right yeah, now. Just like a raised eyebrow. <laughs> the last person known to see Diana Keel before she went missing was actually her mail carrier who delivered a package to the residence around the same time that Diana's husband, Lynn claimed he saw her last before she took off with her friends. Okay, so mail carrier. So on March 8th, Friday, she was seen by the mailman or the mailwoman. Okay. On March 19th, a 911 call that was the first call that alerted authorities that she was missing. So, like, the daughter started asking questions, and then somebody else called 911. So On the 19th? No, this is just the day it was released. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So that's the one. Not all 911 calls are made public, but on March 19th, this 911 call was made public. A fellow nurse at Diana's job called and said, quote, she was supposed to work tonight. She's on the schedule. She's the type of coworker. She's like always 30 minutes early. And if you text her, she replies back like reasonably. She hasn't done any of that, end quote. So her coworker asked the sheriff's office, to go check. So like, it was like a combination of Laura being like, something's up. My mom, I can't get a hold of her. And this coworker calling 911. So they were like, something's going on. Yeah. They know her. They know her routines. Police said that Diana's vehicle, as you know, was still parked outside of her home when they went to speak with her husband about Diana's disappearance. But they never commented on whether or not her wallet and her phone were left behind at the home as well. But they did say, quote, there's been no use of her cell phone. We've reached out, tried to call her several times, and can't get anything, end quote. Apparently, she kept in close contact with her daughter and other family members. Reports say that there was daily communication from Diana to friends and family, including both texting and FaceTime calls. But on March 8th, it just all of a sudden stops. And apparently, she, like, really used her social media, Nothing. nothing. Like March 8th, nothing after that. And all of her financial transactions stopped too. Mm. So she hadn't used her phone or her bank cards since the Friday, March 8th or before that. Yeah. Diana's husband, you know, he said her absence wasn't out of the ordinary, but friends and family disagree. Yeah. Diana's brother, Mauricio, told media outlets, quote, my sister would not leave her kids alone. She is joyful. She is caring. She's a great mother. She's the best sister ever. She's like a guardian angel, end quote. And many others echoed that sentiment, 
saying that there was just no way she would have ever taken off without at least her 10-year-old son because her daughter, you know, is away at college. Yeah. But she wouldn't have just left suddenly without telling anyone and without bringing the, the 10-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Which I can agree. You just like, can't go back and rewrite history. Like, yeah. she did this all the time. Yeah. Mm. Oh, do you, did you write it on your calendar at 2.30 in the morning? <laughs> Diana <laughs> like walked off. People. Yeah. Like some people. But Diana didn't return as her husband thought she would. Instead, on Tuesday, March 12th, a North Carolina Department of Transportation worker who was checking an illegal dumping site came across a decomposing body in the woods. It was about a half an hour drive or so from the Keels family home. The body appeared to be that of a Hispanic female and was in a state of decomposition that was consistent with being five days post-mortem. So that was the 12th. She was last seen on the 8th. That's like... Yeah. Eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. That's the fifth day. day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Initially, reports said that the woman appeared to have been stabbed, but later reports just say foul play and homicide, with no cause of death mentioned. This is likely due to a need to keep things kind of like under wraps for the time being because the investigation is ongoing. But officially, neither the condition of the body nor the cause of death were released by the sheriff's department. It was just like. Like, before, I guess, she was identified, news reports were saying there was a, a woman's body found that was stabbed to death. But they're not saying that now. Gotcha. So, this is 2006, right? No, this is March of this oh, year. okay. That's what I was going to Okay. Elizabeth is 2006. We'll get to her in a second. Okay. So, in these it's situations, fresh. they usually... Look at, what were you going to say? Is it, it's really recent, so they yeah. have to probably keep... Yeah, it hasn't even been... It'll be like seven months to the chest. this week. Wow. Yeah. So... In these situations, usually the spouse is looked at first, and we understand that. So Lynn was brought in for questioning on Tuesday, the day the body was found. But he was released. He was named a person of interest early on, but investigators said he seemed genuinely surprised when he was told that a body had been found. So I don't know, like, are you surprised because you didn't think she was going to be found? Or yeah. are you surprised that they already found her? Or are you surprised that, yeah. she, that Sur- there's a body yeah. at all? Surprise can register on your face. It doesn't mean that it's surprised that your wife is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. So police also commented that initially there were other persons of interest, but no names were ever released. The autopsy was done on Wednesday the 13th, and by Thursday the 14th, the body was positively identified as being Diana Keel. So immediately friends and family started speaking out with things to say about Diana's husband, Lynn. Diana's mother said, quote, years ago, my daughter wanted to separate from her husband, but she couldn't because he threatened her, end quote. She went on to say that at the time of Diana's disappearance, she was once again thinking of divorcing Lynn and had even already met with an attorney. Oh, that's not good. That says a lot. That looks bad. This is, it reminds us, reminds me of that last episode where we were like, what is this, like, I can't have you, no one else can have you thing. Like, yeah. let, just let people go. Like, yeah. what's there to love about somebody who doesn't love you? Nothing. Like, yeah, it feels on. awful. Yeah. It Don't force it. So Diana's friend, Taryn, and she's been described as Diana's best friend, or Taryn has said, Diana's my best friend, or I'm Diana's best friend. But anyway, they were very close. She said that Lynn was very controlling and wouldn't let her be alone with anyone. She said, quote, the verbal and emotional abuse was evident to me as a friend. The atmosphere of the house was always really tense. 
He hovered a lot. Never mm. allowed her to be alone with anybody for extended periods of time. Ooh. Like, that just is awkward. Well, yeah, it's definitely awkward, but I feel like if you don't want anybody to have alone time with someone, it's because you don't want anybody to maybe expose some things you, that are actually going on. You don't on. want her to say anything, like, right? Yeah. Taryn went on to say that she was trying to help Diana leave her husband, but he found that out and forced Diana to end their friendship. Oh. She said, like, the last time she saw her, I don't know how far it was before the disappearance, Diana was, like, crying, and she was like, don't worry about me, everything will be okay, and then she was just, she never saw her again, and everything was not okay. Isolation. Yeah. We talked about that being one of the huge warning signs. The police said that they were also aware of some quote-unquote difficulties in the Keel's marriage, but didn't really elaborate. Nash County Sheriff Keith Stone did confirm that about a year before Diana was killed, there was a report of some kind of domestic issue between the couple, but that nothing recently had been reported. Hmm. So there is somewhat of a history of abuse. At least one time where that law enforcement was involved. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe this is just more speculation for me, but I feel like if you have a record of domestic abuse, like there's something on a police report, like it must happen so much more. Yes. You know, yeah, it's just that it's, one time that it escalated beyond either of your control to the point that somebody else, I a third agree. party was called in. But yeah, yeah, because it's so underreported so that the time it does get reported is a very small percentage of it is actually happening. So I agree with you. So like if yeah. one time they were called, how many other times were they not called? Exactly. So on January 1st, 2006, law enforcement responded to a call at the Keel family home. The same house where Diana Keel was last seen. What? It's the same house? Yes. Okay. Only this time it was a death investigation for Lynn's wife at the time then, 42-year-old Elizabeth Edward Keel. So his wife died at that house. He continued to live there. His second wife, Diana, moves in, and they also, she like, raise there. a child there. Yeah. I don't know Ooh. if I could do that. Oh, yeah. No, if somebody, if somebody I loved died, died in, in the house, I'd Unless I'd I'm, like, home. ancient and I've lived there forever. Mm. Like, my grandma lived in the same penthouse apartment since, like, 1986 or something. Yeah. My grandpa died there in 2006, and she just moved out, like, a year ago. Okay. Because she lived forever. She wasn't allowed to leave. But, yeah. like, he also he also didn't have, like, a sudden, untimely death. Yeah. I so. just feel like the, the walls and everything would remind me of yeah. the pain. Not yeah. be like, I got to yeah. go. I don't care I don't think, the walls look like. I got to just move. I don't think I could do it unless I was, like, the guy from Up where, like, you know, you were attached to that house or something. You've been there forever and you're, like, a little old man, you know? Uh, yeah. But not, like, my wife suddenly dies at 42 yeah. in an accident. Yeah. Accident. A tragic. Tragic. Mm -hmm. Something I'm sudden and untimely. So since Diana's death, investigators say that they are now taking another look at Elizabeth's death. Mm -hmm. According to reports from 2006, Elizabeth fell outside their home and hit her forehead on the concrete steps. Her cause of death is listed as blunt force trauma, but it was ruled accidental instead of homicide by the medical examiner. She just tripped in her head on the steps? Yeah. Like, mm. I mean, I know that could definitely kill you. Yeah. But. Okay. Just what are the chances that you're going to have two wives. Yes. Mysteriously die. Like, this is bad, bad luck. Or are you. I don't know if. I don't. I don't know if that's like. I feel like the number of people that would happen to would have to be like yeah. really minute. Yeah, or happen in a time where like we had a really small life expectancy or something, you know? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Like some Bible stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or like colonial times or something. Okay. And then like. 
and Henry was married four times, and all of his wives were sisters, and they all died in childbirth and from pneumonia. Like, I don't know. You're right. You're yeah. right. A representative from the Nash County Sheriff's Office said that detectives have been working with the FBI, as well as other local agencies, to investigate the deaths of both women now, and not just Diana's. Diana's death prompted investigators to take a closer look at what happened to Lynn's first wife, saying that fact that you have two wives die is suspicious. Yeah. And yes, like immediately I would be like, and I'm sure the community has to be like, oh my gosh, two of them? Especially because you didn't leave. Like maybe if you had lived somewhere else, if yeah. you had left, that might have yeah, worked in his like favor. The first time the community rallies around you. Yeah, the second like, time oh, they're going to be thing. like. Second time. Yeah. So he would have probably been better for him to leave, like start a new life somewhere else where people didn't know that your first wife already died. And I agree that that's suspicious. Friends of Elizabeth, or Bess as she was called, were suspicious of the circumstances surrounding her death long before Diana came in the picture. Wow. Friends of Bess described her as an outdoorsy person and couldn't understand how she would just lose her footing or whatever happened that made her fall and fatally hit her head. I read some reports and apparently the steps were really icy. So that kind of makes sense because it was yeah. January and like I'm kind of clumsy. So if I were, I would slip and fall. Like in Dallas, Texas, I've slipped and fell. Oh yeah, plenty like of times. Baby ice. Yeah so, yeah. so I could see that happening where you, the, the weather makes it more plausible to me that she's 42, she could, even if you're outdoorsy, you're not like immune to the ice. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. A friend of Diana's daughter, Laura, said, quote, they're just kind of talking about the fact that it's tragic, that he lost his first wife to whatever, and now his second wife. I think that they've kind of figured out how the second wife left this earth, and it brings up theories and thoughts that people had about the first wife, end quote. So there was some, like, hushed, like, yeah, did she really? Is. Yeah. So in 2006, so 13 years before Diana died, people were questioning Lynn's involvement in Bess's death, too. Chief Deputy Brandon Medina with the Nash County Sheriff's Office said when asked about reopening the investigation into the death of Elizabeth Keel that the decision was not theirs, but up to the district attorney's office. He said, quote, it's not eliminated. It's still on the table. We just have to prioritize, end quote. And their top priority at that moment was the investigation of Diana Keel's murder. Nash County Sheriff Keith Stone did say that the department was working with a pathologist and taking another look at all the evidence gathered, you know, like police reports, the autopsy, initial statements, detective notes, everything that happened in 2006 with Elizabeth's death investigation, and that there was a strong possibility that they were going to exhume her body. Oh. Well, Do yeah, just in case. I don't know what they would find, though. So. Dr. John Butts, who was the chief medical examiner in North Carolina for like 24 years, said, quote, one would only go to exhume a body if there was some question that wasn't addressed at the time that could be addressed by reexamining the remains, end quote. So I don't know what they would be looking for because her cause of death was already listed as blunt force trauma. Yeah. The only thing that would need to be questioned again or reexamined was if it was accidental or homicidal, but how can you know that? Like, you yeah. already know the trauma's there. How can you tell, like, if somebody falls how can you tell 13 years later if they were pushed yeah or if they yeah, fell yeah, you know yeah so mm -hmm. yeah dr butt said that most of the time when a body i'm sorry what nothing i got nothing i was like oh maybe they can like test her organs but they're, they're probably, probably gone organs yeah. anymore i watched this oh man i don't know what it's called now but i watched some show it's like a jane doe show on amazon about bodies like 
I don't know, obviously it's about bodies of Jane Doe, where they, like, exhume bodies and try to ID them later. Mm-hmm. And they, like, were fine. It was, I don't know. They just weren't I – I expected the bodies to look differently. But they would be like, and there's this root growing right through the middle of this person's skull. Like, it was some oh. crazy stuff. Or, like, rain had made the coffin, like, break down. And there was, like – it wasn't, like, encasing her anymore. It had, like, broke apart from water and, yeah. like, the soil and stuff. So I don't know if, like, nature is going to make that even harder. Yeah. Well, then what, you can't get anything conclusive. Yeah. Kind of a contaminated scene or contaminated... I don't want that show to But the guy who's doing the show, he was just a, a sideline sleuth. He was just some regular dude. <gasps> and he solved a Jane Doe case from internet sleuthing. <gasps> and then the FBI gave him a job. And now he's, like, their official, like, Jane Doe solver. Oh, my whatever. goodness, Megan. These are our goals. Goals. Yeah. <gasps> so if you're listening to this, sir. Yeah, it was crazy. I was like, this could be me. <laughs> Dr. Butt said that most of the time when a body is exhumed, it is because, quote, at the time of death, it wasn't regarded as suspicious until later on when additional information came up and suddenly it was looked at in a different light, end quote. But he added that he's worked plenty of cases where initial findings led examiners to believe that the death was accidental, but it actually turned out to be a homicide instead. He said, quote, someone falls off of something and was killed, and the additional information turns out that they didn't fall, they were pushed. But there would be no difference in the examination. Okay. We'd have the same findings. But, of course, now the circumstances leading up to why it happened have changed, end quote. So the examination would be exactly the same on the part of, like, the medical examiner. So I'm not sure how or if an exhumation of Elizabeth Keel would help them. Yeah. But I know nothing about this, so they would know, I guess. I read this book, so I'm going to be a librarian for a second. Um, it's called The Girl Taken, and this is like my only knowledge of medical examiner stuff. But it's told mostly from the point of view of a medical examiner. Cool. But it's not like super sciencey that like the regular people can't read it. Mm-hmm. It's like we can all understand. But anyway, if you're into true crime, and that sounds dumb to say, because <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're probably into true crime. But if you're into true crime and you want a book recommendation, The Girl Who's Taken by Charlie Donnelly, and it takes place in North Carolina, just like today's cases. And it's like it's like sciencey, but like you can learn from it, not like it's going over your head, like not too academic. Gotcha. And I so when I'm like listening to what he's saying. Or reading what he was saying, I was like, but their examination would be exactly the same. Like, and then he said that, and I was like, thank you, I novel it. I read <laughs> that one time. At this time, Elizabeth Keel's death investigation has not been reopened. Wow. But it's fresh. So it's, it's yeah, it's still, there's time. I tried to look up statistics on domestic violence perpetrators who reoffend, and I found a lot of studies on that topic. Like, what is the likelihood that Lynn abused and killed Elizabeth and then went on to do it again to Diana? A 2018 study from Australia, their Australian Institute of Criminology, said that, quote, offenders with a history of domestic violence are more likely to reoffend. Most importantly, the risk of reoffending was cumulative, increasing with each subsequent incident. End quote. Oh, yeah, especially if you get away with it. Yeah, so like it, with any crime, it gets really. worse or it's more likely to get worse. I took that to mean that if Lynn was violent towards Elizabeth and caused her death, he wouldn't see this as like a, wow, I dodged a bullet there. I could have been caught. I better be more careful in the future because I probably wouldn't get so lucky a second time. That's, but instead he took it as like, well, if I did it once, I no could one. do it again. Like, that's what you think? Like, he, they get like this, I don't know, oddly confident. The same stupid confidence that I think is a theme. Yeah, in a lot of these, yeah. yeah. A Canadian study done on male batterers said, quote, there's no evidence that potential offenders were deterred by expectations of negative consequences. So I don't commit crimes, but 
I'm pretty sure if I committed one and I got like away with it and it was like miraculous, I don't think I'd try my luck and be like, let's see if I can go two and oh. Like, no. We're, for, we're very, we're, we stay on the straight and narrow, but yeah. if for some reason we were off the path, it would be a one time deal. Yeah, yeah. You would get so straight back on that path. Yeah, I would be like, I'd become like a nun or something. I don't know actually if <laughs> I can do that. carry a cross around. Yeah, yeah. I would be like, come with me, turn your life around, kids. Would not do it again. This uh, kind of reminded me of Drew Peterson. Are you familiar with that? You, you guys might be familiar with it. So his third wife, air quotes, drowned in a bathtub in 2003. Uh-huh. And then in 2007, his fourth wife, Stacey Ann, went missing. Yeah, he's got a lot of wives. Yeah. Third wife's death was determined initially to be accidental, but a second autopsy showed evidence of a struggle and he actually ended up being convicted of her murder and sentenced to like 30-something years in prison. Okay. But they never found fourth wife, Stacey Ann. But like, what are the odds that you murdered third wife and then you're just like... An- oh, that was so good to the other wife. Yeah. She was great. She just walked away. She yeah. just had other stuff she wanted Yeah, to I know I killed number three, but number four, I would never kill yeah, number four. I would never touch somebody. Yeah. So Her personality just changed without one yes. murder. Which we just said was possible. <laughs> we were like, if that would be us, we'd kill one time and never kill again. But we're like, Drew Peterson did that. We're also so good. Yeah. Yeah. We're like we're Chicken. Pretty good. Yeah. We're in, pretty good. In 2015, this guy named Harold in Colorado was accused of pushing his wife Tony off a cliff. They were out hiking in okay, people are dumb. So when you listen to this coincidence, because I don't know how I don't know what this man was thinking. So they were out hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park celebrating their 12th wedding anniversary when his wife fell 130 feet off of a cliff. Oddly enough, his first wife also died in an air quotes accident shortly after their 12th wedding anniversary, (gasps) too. Like, what? He just can't go longer than 12. Yeah, Yeah, that is his limit. It's a wrap. But in the... And that one, she died while she, they were changing a flat tire, and the car slipped off the jack, which I think could legit happen. Yeah, that sounds terrible. So you got That's away scary. with that crime, and then you pushed Tony off a cliff. So he wasn't charged in his first wife's death, but police did reopen that investigation after he was indicted on murder charges for the cliff death. But I don't know. I don't think anything's recapped. It's still pretty. 2015. I don't know if they've like came to any conclusions about car death, but he right. was facing charges for cliff death. And I love how you're referring to them. Yeah. I don't know the first wife's name. I wonder if it's like some weird thing. Like you got away with it and it felt like to him it felt yeah. good. And then he was like, on the 12th anniversary of the first Just time like, I murdered. Here we go again. Murdered. Yeah. I wonder if he, how long he thought about this. Like, gosh, I can't like wait till we make 12 years so I can like, <laughs> yeah. I can like. Do it again. Yeah. Weird. All of that is weird enough as it is. But this is like, this should be on like World's Stupidest Criminals. Harold had a copy of the park map with an X marked exactly at the spot where Tony would fall off the cliff and die. Oh. And he had no explanation for investigators on why, at the precise location, his wife plummeted to her death, that he had marked an X on the map. Well, maybe. Really? He didn't. Map he didn't it. even try to. No. I would have finessed that one. I'd be like, yeah, well, I wanted to take her to see the beautiful this was, view. Yeah, view and then that and... she just tragically died. No, he had no explanation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Stupidest criminals. It doesn't seem sorry, at all Harold. like... Yeah. I'm just disrespecting you. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, Hera. It doesn't seem like these guys... Now, this is assuming that there is an element of homicide in the death of all like, six of these women. It doesn't seem that they're acting like they got lucky. Like, I would, you know, I would be like, holy crap, I can't believe I got away with that. Like, Yeah, but then, of course, like, we've been... T- I think the mentality of somebody that would hurt, Actually murder their yeah, spouses. Yeah, is totally different. And I think there is, like... Uh, like escalating sense of like 
overconfidence yeah. or like just cockiness or like that. Like smarter, I'm smarter than the police or something. Yeah, yeah. That like really dangerous level of stupidity yeah. that we can't relate to. Yeah. That should be a new show. Dangerous stupidity. Like, ooh. if you're listening to this TV producers, mm-hmm. hit us up. Um, oh, sorry. I'm going off on these like Netflix tangents, but I was watching BuzzFeed Unsolved Murders or Unsolved Something. I love that show. We would do that so much better. Oh, I, I, well, I like the like little guy who believes in all the scary things. Uh, well, like, it's two guys, right? Like, yeah. when I watch it, and one of them tells a story, and then yeah. the other one reacts, and I'm like, and they can't do it without saying the F word a whole lot. And I was like, Jasmine, I could do this for children. <laughs> like, <laughs> it do it for children. But I, re- I really though. like it. But yeah. I was like, mm, spin off. Like, we could do it. Or the four of us could do it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would be like great. You can, like, pair up. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the keels. So, you know, after the body was found, and they thought it was Diana, but they didn't know, they brought Lynn in for questioning, and he was released. So then... They do the autopsy on like the 13th and on the by the 14th they tell everybody like the body is positively identified as diana keel so on friday march 15th a warrant is issued for lynn's arrest he's facing first degree murder charges but when attempting to execute that warrant it was determined that lynn was now missing too <gasps> megan we out here talking smack about Lynn. He finna come for us. Is he still on the... Is no. he still... Oh, okay. Okay. We're, we're safe. So, well, safe. <laughs> Cue ominous piano music. Officials in North Carolina received a tip that Lynn was in Arizona. So, I mean, he probably drove right by us. And spotted traveling westbound on I-10. After a two-day search for him, that's exactly where he was eventually captured. Oh. On March 17th, just outside of Tucson, Arizona... And only about 34 miles from the Mexican border, police in Arizona caught up with Lynn Keel and arrested him without incident. Initial reports said expect him to be armed and dangerous, but he was not armed when he was caught. I think he had a pocket knife, but that's it. Authorities found multiple weapons at the Keel family residence, but none of them were linked to the crime. At the time of Lynn's first court appearance, the murder weapon had not yet been located. At some point in his life, he reportedly worked as a gunsmith, which is somebody who, like, makes, sells, and repairs firearms. Mm -hmm. And that's supposedly why he had, like, a ton of guns at his house. But it's still scary, though, to think that he's so dangerous that he may have killed two women and he has access to, like... A lot of guns. But he didn't use a gun if if he killed both of them, which, at this time, he has not been charged or convicted in either one. If he killed both of them, he didn't use a gun in either. Which is smart. If you know anything about guns, like, I mean... Traceable, like yeah. just save yourself the. But we yeah. don't know how Diana was killed. The, stabbed. A uh, first result said stabbed, but then officially right. nothing. So, okay. but not a gun. I don't. Yeah. According to Google Maps, Nashville, North Carolina, and Tucson, Arizona, are two thousand one hundred and eighty-six miles apart. So he definitely covered some ground, and it seems to travel such a long distance so quickly. He would have had to have left North Carolina like right after they yeah. questioned and released him. So wow. the warrant was issued on Friday, and reports say he was last seen in North Carolina midday Thursday. So they on Thursday they said the body is Diana Keel, and Lynn got out of Dodge. Dang. That's not suspicious at all. No. So that definitely, if he would have stuck around, I, that would have looked better for him. In his vehicle, police found a large amount of cash and said that they can only speculate that his intent was obviously to flee the country. And I think anyone with a keen eye would be like, you're in North Carolina, all of a sudden you're 34 miles from Mexico. That's probably what you're doing. And that would have been a lot harder to find him, arrest him, and try him for the crimes in North Carolina. So fortunately, 
They got him at like the last Good second. Good job, Popo. He he was found driving a truck that belonged to his father because both of his vehicles had been seized by the police. Wow. But I don't know if his dad was like in on it. If his well, what would you do if your kid was like? I don't know. No, the police just questioned me. I like to think that I have a decent moral compass, and I would probably like turn my son in. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're just like gonna buy your car, gotta go to the grocery store, and he did. So I did like the twenty three and me. Yeah, maybe he lied about it. I did the twenty three and me DNA stuff, and everybody's like, "Are you sure you want to do this? Like, what if somebody in your family is a serial killer?" And I was like, "I definitely want to do this because what if somebody in my family is a serial killer?" First off, I kind of think that would be like really fascinating and interesting, and I would I would more information. I would tell everybody I'm related to the Nutty or whatever, you know. Yeah. But. I, don't, I would not want to protect my, like, long, like, lost, long, long lost, yeah, second cousin who was, like, the Golden State Killer or something, you know? Yeah. Like, I would definitely do it. So, I don't, but I don't know if his dad's in on it. Lynn was 57 at the time that this happened, and so his dad was, like, much older. Oh, much older. Yeah, so. he probably just kept him at the loop. And then Diana was only 38. That's what we were talking about. She's, uh, young. she's mad young. Yeah, and she looks really good, so. His first wife in 2006 was 42, you said? Yeah, 42 and she had. Yeah, so he's probably, and now... So he, he was like 48 year old yeah. 13 years later? Yeah. I don't know how he's pulling these ladies. They're very pretty. Yeah. They so were pretty. They were like, Lynn and Elizabeth were only like two years apart. I think they were high school sweethearts, but don't quote me on that. And then Diana is 19 years his junior. Wow. Yeah. Lynn Keel has since been extradited back to North Carolina, and he made his first court appearance on Tuesday, March 26th. Since this case is pretty recent and it takes a while for court proceedings to really get going, there's not much else that we know. I tried to search the list of people who are currently detained in Nash County, North Carolina, but didn't have any luck. It seems like it's a really small facility and you have to call, mm-hmm. and I don't like doing that. I just want to, like, Google <laughs> current detainees. So no bail was set when he did appear in court. So to my knowledge, that's still where he is, is Nash gotcha. County Jail. And reports said he was due back in court on April 11th. But the last news article about this case is from March 26th. So we're just like in the waiting period. Like I think in the last episode, Thomas Skeek was in jail for three years awaiting trial for his wife's murder. And then he was acquitted. So he just spent three years there. And then they let him out. At the time of this recording, Lynn Keel has been charged with first degree murder in connection to the death of his second wife, Diana Keel. The death of his first wife, Elizabeth Keel, remains classified as accidental. If you have any information about the deaths of Diana Keel or Elizabeth Keel, please contact the Nash County Sheriff's Office at 252-459-4121 or Twin County Crime Stoppers at 252-977-1111. If you are a victim of domestic violence, please know it is never your fault and there are resources available to you even if you are not ready or able to leave that relationship yet. If someone you know is a victim, be supportive by listening to them and asking how they're doing. Offer to help if you are willing and able and tell them about the resources available to them, such as a 24-hour-a-day, seven-days-a-week hotline for domestic violence victims. They are there to help. The number for that hotline is 1-800-799-7233, or you can go online to thehotline.org. And in case of an emergency, always dial 911. Thank you for listening to Sideline Sleuths. If you have any comments or questions about this case or just feedback about the show in general, you can find us online at facebook.com slash sideline sleuths. And if you haven't already had the chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes, Facebook, or any social media or streaming platforms available.